As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. People will tell me, oh, demons aren't real. And, and, and it's almost like saying, you know, I don't have any bugs in my backyard. And it's like, okay, you do, but you need to get down on your knees, start separating the blades of grass. You need to start turning over the stones because when you turn that rock over, you're going to see a whole bunch of creepy crawlies. We were in my home talking about the supernatural. It was okay. Ouija boards, we were talking about it. Who had a story, whatever. But when I was 13, my mom had a tarot card reader come in the house. And like I always say, Billy, you know, we're not throwing mom under the bus. Mom clearly didn't know. Um, but she, I had my first reading when I was 13. And I believe that was the day that I gave legal permission to demons to come into my space now to, to get lured away by the devil, if you will. Hello and welcome to Unbelievable, the show that aims to get Christians and non-Christians thinking about the topics that really matter to all of us. Today we are talking about another important topic and we would love to hear your thoughts on this, so do get in touch by emailing unbelievable at premier.org.uk. But for now, let's jump in on today's discussion. Hi, I'm Billy Hollowell, your host on Premier Unbelievable, never a show to shy away from controversial topics on Unbelievable. And today we're asking what we can make of a whole bunch of really important topics, the occult, the demonic realm, exorcism in popular culture. You know, we're going to be answering a lot of questions. Is modern day deliverance ministry biblical? Is the occult just harmless fun? or are there hidden dangers? What is this obsession that culture seems to have with the occult, and not just the occult, um, but also Satan? You know, Satan's popping up everywhere in culture, and so we're going to be getting into all of that today, and I have to tell you, I am very excited to welcome two people who I think are perfect to guide us through this conversation, ex-psychic Jen Niza. She is going to tell her incredible story of escaping the occult and finding Jesus, and we're also going to be having on Mike Signorelli. He's a deliverance minister and the lead pastor and founder of V1 Church in New York City. Jen and Mike, welcome to Premier Unbelievable. Thank you. Thanks for Thanks having for me. Thanks for having me. All right, so so there's a lot to dig into here on these topics. I want to start with definitions because I think this is incredibly important for us to understand the definitions that are at play. Now, let's start with deliverance. This is a word that some people might not be familiar with. People who attend church, who don't attend church, skeptics, you know, this is a word that people may not be familiar with. So, Mike, can you tell us what deliverance is? 
Yes. So the ministry of deliverance is a ministry that Jesus Christ introduced to the earth. So when you read the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, you will not see demons being cast out of people. Uh, You see them being temporary alleviated from the infliction of demons in the Old Testament, like as you saw with Saul. But then when Jesus comes, he's declaring the kingdom of heaven has come. And one of the signs that the kingdom of heaven has come is that Jesus is setting the captives free. And so demons are inside of people and he's casting them out. There's actually a Greek word ekbalo, and it means to forcibly throw someone off of enemy territory, to to take possession over the land. And so uh, quite literally what Jesus Christ was doing was saying the kingdom of heaven is coming coming. It's it's here right now. And as a result of it, I'm going to forcibly remove demons from your body, from your mind, from your soul. And uh, the kingdom is actually going to be built in place of it. And so that's pretty much the most literal simple version of the definition of deliverance. You'll never find the word deliverance in scripture. And so that's why I went back to the original Greek that's used in Matthew chapter nine, verse 38, which means to, to basically cast out. Um, but you know, you, right now you, you have this term being popularized because there are so many people who desperately need freedom. They know something's wrong. They know that something evil is in their life and yet they don't know how to get free. And so you, you hear this term deliverance more and more and more in popular culture. Well, you know, it is interesting, and I want to just highlight this, and then I want to go to you, Jen, on this. But, you know, there are a number of words that we use in the church that in, in churches and in Christianity that are not necessarily in, in the Bible, right? The word rapture, and that's a whole other conversation and a whole other debate, is not in Scripture. Many people believe in the concept, the word Trinity, right? There are a number of words, again, that are not mentioned in Scripture, and so that is not a prerequisite for whether or not people would believe in the concept, right? It's describing a concept. And I want to talk about another term in a moment after I go to you, Jen, which is the term exorcism. So we'll, we'll get into that. I think that's a term more people know in both the secular and the Christian worlds. But Jen, in light of what you just heard, what, what do you make of the term deliverance? Well, I think of uh, being set free. I, I wouldn't have just um, gone to the ministry of deliverance. I would say that being delivered out of our bondage to sin through salvation. So when Jesus died on the cross to fulfill the wrath of God um, for our sin, he took our place for our sin. He has now brought the one who accepts that free gift of salvation out of the bondage to sin and into um you know, into salvation, um, being set free from the bondage to sin or being a captive, like Pastor Mike said, no longer a captive, now free in Christ. The old is gone and the new man is here. Um, so you're being set free from spiritual death and brought into spiritual life through Christ. Uh, because without that, we are not going to be in eternal glory with Jesus. So we are really the wages of sin or death. So he is taking us out of that, delivering us out of that and bringing us into the kingdom of light. So bringing us out of the kingdom of darkness, which we once were children of the devil and becoming a child of God, bringing us into the kingdom of light. Now, Jen, that actually is a great transition into what we're going to talk about in a moment. I want to go over one more term and then we're going to get into your story because you were a psychic 
for a major chunk of your life. I mean, a professional psychic, you were in the occult, you weren't just a psychic, you experimented with all different facets of the occult before coming um, to find Jesus. And so we're going to get into that story in a moment. And that word, that term deliverance, as you just described it, very much describes your story. Um, but, but Mike, I want to come back to you because deliverance ministry and the word deliverance is something that is being popularized, as you said, uh, but there's another term, exorcism. And this is something we see in movies. We'll talk later on in the show about Hollywood constantly showing what exorcism looks like through their own lenses, not necessarily through a biblical lens. How would you differentiate the term exorcism from deliverance? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So exorcism is a term that Catholics use. And, you know, deliverance is typically a word that Protestants use. Now, one of the things that, and I'm sure I have some Catholic brothers and sisters who are listening right now, one of the things I actually like about the Catholic Church's approach to exorcism is they have a holistic approach, meaning they want to make sure that somebody is uh, dealing with their trauma and their issues on a psychological level through counseling. Uh, They want to make sure that they're dealing with things on a physical issue, uh, whether it's a medical condition or something of that effect. And so uh, the Catholic Church, you know, has conducted exorcisms for hundreds of years. They have teams devoted to doing that. And uh, they've they've created basically practices that try to address every aspect of the human being. And so in some ways, I think that the Protestant church needs to glean from that because oftentimes in Protestantism, we say deliverance and everything's a demon and we, we don't apply wisdom to what is a physical issue that needs to be addressed through diet and exercise uh, or medical intervention. Uh, oftentimes we skip counseling like biblically based therapy that could be massively beneficial to people. And so So, you know, exorcism is primarily the word that's used within the realm of Catholicism. Deliverance is the word that's used in Protestantism. But I think it's beneficial for some Protestants to adopt some of those practices for a holistic approach, which is what my ministry and my church does as well. Yeah, and I see, and we're going to, I want to actually go to you for a minute here, Jen, because Jen is nodding. And I want to highlight this because the two of you, you have a lot of areas of disagreement, but you also have some areas of agreement. And just so the audience understands, you're both Christians, obviously, um, as we've said. And so it's interesting to get a lens into this. But why were you nodding during some of that, Jen, as you were sort of listening? I I appreciate so much, Pastor Mike, that you said that um, you you took that practical approach um, because not everything is a demon. And unfortunately, I'm I'm just going to say it in the hyper charismatic um, community, you know, if you if you are battling sin, um, they'll say it's a demon. They'll say you have a demon of lust. You have a demon of anger. Hello, you have a sin of anger. You have the sin of lust and you need to deal with that. Um, sometimes, like you were saying, sometimes there, there are traumas that we go through in our life and there are think people get addicted to things, um, you know, uh, food, cigarettes, drugs, what have you. So with discipline and coming to God and repenting for their sin and confessing their sin, um, we can go to Jesus for those things. And God does lead us to maybe sometimes the therapy, the biblical counseling, Christian counselors, um, practical ways, diet. um, And one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. So rather than look for a quick fix, um, you know, just to be relieved all of a sudden um, at a deliverance ministry, 
I would encourage people to go to God and, and, and do a good check and a health check. But I appreciate you saying that. And I think that's great that you that you have that outlook. I totally agree with that. I think it's awesome. So I just want to, and, and Mike, I'm going to come to you on this because there's actually an area here that we need to probably dig into a little bit, which is what you were just talking about, Jen. But you, you, you mentioned the term hypercharismatic. Can you identify for people so they understand that term charismatic, what that might actually mean? Charis- the charismatic um, movement, it's a movement. Um, now, I'm not a pastor like Mike, so I'm not going to get too technical on, on this. But the charismatic movement, we see these churches and they're... Um, they're, they're very fixed on the uh, the sign gifts, um, the speaking in tongues, um, doing miracles, um, believing that through the authority of the Holy Spirit, they can do the same things that Jesus did and the apostles did. Some of them call themselves apostles. Um, so, you know, they're kind of uh, leading with that. Um, and they are very strong on the deliverance ministry uh, culture or community. Um, they believe... I hope I'm getting this right, but is you know they're hyper charismatic, really going to the other side, which is why I'm so happy to be here because as a former psychic, a former New Ager, um, I hate to see anybody coming out of that and coming all the way like the pendulum, pardon the psychic pun, going to all the way to the other side and getting into this you know um, hyper charismatic. Uh, belief system where demons are just everywhere. Everything you're doing is a demon. Demons are hiding behind every corner and we can bop them out of you and you really don't have to deal with anything. I hope I explained that well. Mike, I, I, I'm going to throw to you on this. And I do, in, in later on in the show, I want to get deeper into what deliverance looks like so we can go deeper into what might be causing sin, the different debate, because I think you were hit, hitting on some of that, Jen, right? You know, that there is a debate over what causes sin um, and how that unfolds and where the demonic sort of might come into that. Um, but Mike, do you want to do you want to clarify anything or hit on anything that Jen just said? Yeah, well, for those of you who are listening and you're trying to understand what hyper charismatic is, just know that within every religion, there are extremists. Within every religion, there are people who distort it for their own agenda and they aggrandize things and they take them way out of context. We have that within every faction of every denomination of Christianity. You have it in Islam, I mean, you have it in Hinduism, and you see people that uh, distort and they kind of uh, create extreme factions for their own agenda. Christianity is no different than that. I think it's important, though, to note that just because someone abuses something doesn't nullify its reality. And so, of course, there are people right now using exorcism and deliverance to, quite frankly, make money. They're monetizing that experience just in the same way that a psychic would, you know. And so the secular world may have psychics and Christian world may have prophets and both of them are monetizing and they're they're trying to build a business. Essentially, they're they're charlatans everywhere that you go. But I think it's just important at this point in the conversation to say that none of that detracts from the reality of spiritual things existing. Uh, For example, we talked about uh, the need to deal with your own carnal desires. And the Bible has this phrase called crucify the flesh, which is a brutal phrase if you're not a Christian listening right now. It essentially means it's your obligation to put yourself on the cross like Jesus and to die to those desires. And so just because you feel the desire to do it doesn't mean you should. You should deny yourself. Um, But in the deliverance world, what we would say 
is that you can't crucify a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. And so in other words, there's sometimes a necessity for both of them. You cast a demon out and then you crucify the flesh, which is your personal battle. And so I think it's just finding the appropriate balance to say, if nothing is a demon, then we have to actually delete whole sections of the Bible out that we've committed our lives to. Uh, but then if everything's a demon, then we are not a, we are not a disciplined follower of Christ. We're not a disciple. And so um, I, I think that's what I've devoted my life to. Unfortunately, Billy, in the, in the charismatic Pentecostal church, we've taken it too far. But also in the Reformed Gospel Coalition churches, uh, I, I would be honest with you, we haven't taken it far enough. And we've got people who are under the control of demons in our congregation that we've told for years and years and years, keep, keep crucifying your flesh, keep reading your Bible more. And they're like, this is not helping me. And it's because they need deliverance. And what I love about the ministry of Jesus is you see all of it. Uh, and that's really my, my aim of my life is to reinstall the ministry of Jesus into the earth. Forget about denominations and religions and traditions and all of the titles we put on it. You know, there, we, we say, what would Jesus do? Well, and and we are going to later on. We're going to go deep into deliverance, and we're going to talk about some of again the areas of agreement and disagreement that that you may both have. But Jen, I want in this segment, and we're going to tell your story a little bit um, later, Mike. But I want to talk about your story because you were introduced to the occult at a young age. You became a psychic. Take us through how you first had that foray into the occult. How did that happen? Well, when I was 12, I started getting psychically attacked through dreams. And what I mean by that is I started having dreams that ended up um, of events that ended up happening. They weren't profound, but in, but they happened. And in my home, uh, it was really acceptable to talk about paranormal activity. My great aunt was a psychic, um, a, a self-professing healer, which people today would probably call Reiki. Um, she was into all that stuff. So we were in my home, talking about the supernatural. It was okay. Ouija boards, we were talking about it, who had a story, whatever. But when I was 13, my mom had a tarot card reader come in the house. And like I always say, Billy, you know, we're not throwing mom under the bus. Mom clearly didn't know. Um, but she, I had my first reading when I was 13. And I believe that was the day that I gave legal permission to demons to come into my space now to to get um, to get lured away by the devil, if you will. I don't mean to sound, you know, out there, but it's true. I was so intrigued by that reading. I wanted more. I how did she know things? And they were some of them were very little things, but she knew them. What were these cards all about? And I that sent me down the rabbit hole of the occult destruction. I just wouldn't stop. I got into it full force. You know, some, some people might be hearing this or watching it and thinking, okay, but none of that is true. This isn't real. You know, how did Jen fall into that? What would convince her that this was real? But your story, you have a lot of elements that did lead you to believe it was very real as time went on. What, what was that like for you? It started with intrigue. You dove all in. What, how did that impact your everyday life? Well, had it, I started going to uh, divination for everything. So whenever something would happen in my life, uh, something that I wanted to know about, or if it was something I was um, grievous about or looking for peace or happiness or joy, whatever, all the things that one should seek God for, 
I was seeking the tarot cards for. I was going to other psychics. I was going to other mediums. And I started receiving information about other people rather quickly because that door was open. Um, there were days that were fine, uh, but there were days also that were filled with anxiety and destruction little by little because I was demonically oppressed. So talk about talk about that demonic oppression, right? Because somebody hears that and they think, okay, you know, somebody went into this lifestyle, they start practicing these things that again, some skeptics are going to believe aren't true, but you obviously felt they were true. You were following them. Did you, did you know that you were demonically oppressed? And then also define that for us so we understand it. Well, demonic oppression, oppression is when you're um, under stress by something, right? Something's weighing you down or oppressing you, right? So that's what demons do. They weigh you down. They, they have their presence. I was serving um, so many of them. I did so many readings. I had so many demons around me. Their presence was with me every single day and it was heavy on me. Um, so I was oppressed by these demons. I was serving them. They were ruling over me. Um, so that's demonic oppression. And that causes symptoms, which is what I just hit on a, a moment ago, like confusions or doubts or anxiety, leading you further and further away from God. Sickness, um, stress, uh, all of that. Um, there are many symptoms of uh, demonic oppression, especially being blind spiritually, anything that will take you away from the Lord. Um, and it's a hamster wheel, honestly. What did you believe you were serving, right? What did you believe? The, because you said you were receiving information mm -hmm. that you couldn't have known, that these things were happening. You were getting a result to what you were trying to do. What did you believe you were interacting with? Deceased people. Uh, for one, spirit guides for two. Um, it's interesting because the new age will have you believe that um, you can filter spirits out so that there are good spirits and bad spirits. And sometimes, you know, the spirit guide is just a wonderful um, spirit that's uh, leading you into wisdom, helping you. We believe that that was the one who was um, filtering in and out uh, the spirits during a reading. Um, and of course, this is all a lie. I was told I had a gift from God, that I had a gift from God and I needed to use it to help other people. So I believed I was doing something good and I was, I was and um, am a compassionate person. I care about people. I care about others. And I would cry with my clients. I thought I was, you know, I mean, we were hugging, we were crying. These are grievous, sad people, lonely people, curious people, um, hanging on. They're lost people. And you know, so you're, you're in this position thinking that you're helping people. Right. Um, Mike, I want to just throw to you on this. As you're hearing this story, you know, you obviously are a pastor. You deal with all sorts of different things. What, what's going through your mind as you're sort of hearing, especially that detail of thinking she was helping people in this in the occult? I mean, that's kind of wild to hear. Well, the first thing I noticed is that I believe that God has a destiny for each and every person alive. And oftentimes that destiny is generational. So there's families that have callings together and you see a lineage of preachers, a lineage of pastors. You see those destinies. I, I was raised by a single mother in a trailer park in uh, South Chicago. And so I don't come from that kind of lineage, but uh, I do believe that wherever God has destiny, the enemy, Satan, these demonic minions, they work together to bring a counterfeit. 
And so it was interesting, the beginning of her story, talking about how how normal these things were in her family. And so I would say from a pastor's perspective, there's a high calling on Jen's life and on her family member's life. And, and so what happens is the devil comes in uh, masquerading as an angel of light. And so if you're called to deep spiritual work, he's not going to give you natural work. It's not going to be blue collar work. Hey, my whole family's carpenters. My whole family's plumbers. It's going to be a counterfeit fit spiritual work. And I actually that I'm so passionate about this, if you can't tell, because usually wherever there's a perversion, there's purpose. And so there was, you know, this, what I would say as a pastor, they were illegally accessing the spiritual realm. And, um, but what, what's the alternative is to access it through the person of the Holy spirit, given permission by God to get information, uh, that, that God would grant access to, to do his will. And so to me, the definition of witchcraft is illegally accessing the spiritual realm to fulfill your own desires or the desires of the person that you're working with. And uh, what what many Christians believe in Protestantism, especially, is that uh, that Acts chapter one, verse eight says, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And so uh, what I love about Jen's story is that uh, she's still operating in power, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God's called her to do in this season of her life. Um, but in order to do that, she had to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so what I see a lot in, within the psychic medium realm is people, uh, and this is where it becomes very difficult. Jen probably knows so much more about this than I do, but it's really hard to convince people that what they're doing is wrong because they're getting so many quote unquote good results. And, you know, that, and that's for me as a pastor, uh, especially I have a location on Long Island specifically, I have another location in Miami where you you just see a lot of people doing a lot of different spiritual practices. And they're like, you don't understand. Look at the results. They're good. And, and so from my perspective, the devil's in the blessing business too. And so networks of demons will work together to transmit information. And just because it's accurate doesn't necessarily mean that it is the best source of information, because in my opinion, that's the devil will use accurate information to draw you deeper and deeper. And, and so what happens oftentimes in the psychic medium realm is it draws you closer to that psychic and what Christians do. So for me as a pastor, I, I want my ministry to bring you closer to Jesus. <laughs> you know, forget about Mike Signorelli. Who cares about me? I, I want people to know Jesus through my life. And so um, it's just very, very interesting. And I'm sure there's people who are watching right now who are incredibly offended by what I just said, because when you're spiritually blinded, like Jen said, it's like you think that what you're doing is is the right thing. Well, we are going to take a break. You are listening to Unbelievable, the show with the tagline, Faith Explored, that aims to get you thinking. I'm Billy Hollowell, and when we come back, we're going to be talking more about Jen's story. We're going to get into Mike's story as well. Don't forget to let us know what you think by emailing unbelievable at premier.org.uk, and we will see you in just a moment. Welcome back. I'm Billy Hollowell, your host on Premier Unbelievable. We're talking here about competing worldviews, the growing interest in Satanism, the occult, and my two guests are Jen Niza and Mike Signorelli. Jen, before the break, we were talking about how you got into the occult. Talk about what it was like to perform these readings and I really want to understand sort of how you came to your breaking point because you did this and I want to emphasize this for people 
for decades. I mean, for years you were in the occult. Yeah. So it was really a shock to me, to be honest with you, doing the readings. I I don't even know if Google existed then. There was no Googling. There was no website. There was no, there was no looking into people. There was nothing fake about this. This was all real. I sat before strangers I, who I had never met before. I had their name and number when they made the appointment. I did my little ritual, my meditation, my sage burning, what have you. And I just sat there and I just started receiving. It's almost like it's being downloaded into your brain, receiving information about this perfect stranger that I could never know and that I I shouldn't have really ever known. It was about their life. And one particular woman comes to mind whose son had passed away from cancer. I mean, her son was 13 years old when he passed away. As a mom, I can I I I couldn't even understand really because well, the grief. This woman is sad, she's grieving and so she comes to me, she's a stranger, and I start reporting all this information, who her son is, his name, that he was coming through, what he died of, the people in their family, what was going on in their life, all of these things. And that makes her think that she's connecting with her deceased son, which is going to bring her temporary joy, temporary peace until she has to go back again. And that's always what happened. The next appointment was being made. And that's why I referenced before it's a hamster wheel because there only Christ can give us peace. Only Christ can give us comfort and strength through all of the trials in our life. And the devil, of course, is a counterfeit and Satan masquerades as an angel of light. That wasn't her son coming through at all. That was a demon reporting the information to me. That was a familiar spirit reporting the information to me and tricking me and tricking her. Now that's where it was, okay, I'm really helping this woman. This is wonderful, great, we're crying, we're hugging. But there was even a time when I was hired sometimes to go to parties, especially at Halloween time, no surprise there. And I would do group readings or private mini readings. And this woman came in for her mini reading and she sat in front of me and the demon coming coming through, I hate to use those terms, but... The demon presenting themselves was not even hiding. I mean, this demon, he was pretending to be her uncle who in fact shot her and her brother when they were children and giving me all this information, almost like this demon was gloating about it. And now this woman starts looking at me like I'm the uncle with hatred in her eyes. And it was such, talking about that oppression, I was sick after I left there, I was sick. I was sick and I still, so I knew that was evil. So I believed in evil. I wouldn't have called them a demon. I would have just called it a bad spirit. And I would have thought, well, I needed to smudge more or I needed to surround myself with white light a little bit more or something like that. Like as if I had the power to protect myself from these negative entities. It sounds like this is starting to have an impact on you. There were negative impacts. You're trying to solve them yourself with all these other remedies that were, were apparently making it worse. You came to a breaking point. And again, you started as a teenager. You're now in your 30s at this point. How bad was it? And what was that breaking point like that brought you into faith? It was so bad. The, the demonic oppression was so bad. I was afraid 
at points to even go into the shower. Like I was afraid you close the bathroom door, I'm locking it, I'm going in there. And I'm thinking I'm afraid of like a physical break-in, like somebody coming into my house. And in hindsight, I realized, no, they were always with me. Demons were always with me. They were bothering me all the time. So I was living in now that fear uh, and it was so horrible. Even when I would go out, I was always hearing what we used to call in the new age chatter. I was always hearing chatter. They're talking to me. I'm seeing, I couldn't meet a person. I couldn't get an x-ray or an ultrasound without receiving information about them. So it was weighing on me. And I came to, I hate to, if you want to say, hey, cliches, but rock bottom, end of yourself moment, where the oppression was so heavy duty that I literally cry out to Jesus Christ. The Jesus I never knew. I knew the new age Jesus, the fake Jesus, the one who you could do anything you wanted and there was this other side and everybody, whatever. This was the real Jesus I call in his name. And I know that was the Holy Spirit. Now I know. Presenting himself, inviting me in. And I called out on his name and this peace just came over me. But I was spiritually vulnerable. I hadn't heard the gospel I wasn't reading the Bible. I didn't know what happened, but I didn't want to be a psychic anymore after that, but I didn't know why. So this left me in this weird vulnerable, that was at the end of my 36th year. I turned 37. This only went on, this vulnerability went on for about 10 months until the Holy Spirit was like, okay, we're done with this, Jen. You're a child of God. And a friend from my psychic network, a very good friend, we're still friends today. She ended up getting saved And she came to my house for dinner and she invited me to church with her. And I actually said no. But a month later, I woke up that Sunday morning and I said, I have to go to that church today. I don't know why. Just like I didn't know why I didn't want to be a psychic 10 months prior. This day it was, I don't know why, but I want to go to that church today. And it was there that day singing the lyrics, Jesus saved me. It was, I flashed back in a moment to that moment when I called on his name And it was like, I just knew it was him and just felt filled up with the Holy Spirit. I was crying. And the first thing I did when I got home was go to the word of God and look up what does God say about psychic mediums, which I was intrigued by because I never cared about the Bible. So your friend became a Christian. You then have this encounter. And now here you are, you're sharing your testimony all over the internet, you have been very open talking about these things. But when you look at where you were then and where you are now spiritually, how did that shift, that monumental shift, becoming a Christian, impact the way you see spiritual things? Oh, wow. Well, you're right, because it lo- it, it gave me a look at what I was dealing with as a psychic medium, the level of evil, the spiritual realm, which is a a big motivator for me to do what I do because people these days can be so spiritually blind and ignorant to the spiritual realm. Kind of, you said that before, Mike, a little bit, that we don't want people to think there are no demons and there is no spiritual realm. There really is. And how I see the contrast of the Holy Spirit, of God, of Jesus working in all lives, who he is being the truth versus the life I lived in. Also having that spiritual peace that surpasses all understanding, that's a verse in the, it's true. The devil is a counterfeit. So whatever you're going through without Christ is a fake, a temporary, a cheap imitation. So now having the Lord, it's like eyes wide open. That's the true, if you ask me, the true being woke, 
because you're finally, the scales are off your eyes and you can see the truth. And that is liberating. It's liberating and peaceful and free. When we talk about being liberated and finding freedom, these are themes that everybody understands. But when it comes to faith, your encounter with Jesus is what changed everything for you. Mike, you also believe that encounters with Jesus change everything. You also deal in deliverance ministry as well. And one of the key questions about deliverance is who needs it, right? Is it Christians? Is it non-Christians? When we talk about exorcism in the Catholic sense or even in the Protestant sense when they use the term, oftentimes we're thinking of non-Christians being able to, or, or needing rather, exorcism. And you're a pastor at a major church in New York City. How did you stumble into the deliverance world? How did you discover it and realize it was something that you felt called to? Well, I'll tell you, one of the main strategies of the demonic realm is to remain hidden. Think about every military on the planet. They wear fatigues. This is so every country has a military. They're all in some form of green. They're wearing fatigues that are camouflage. And why? Because camouflage gives you a military advantage. Hiddenness actually helps you be more effective in warfare. The Bible says that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And so for those of you watching right now, you might not even realize you are actually in a spiritual battle, whether you chose to or not, you were born on a battlefield. And so the enemy is wearing camouflage because there's a military advantage to remaining hidden. People will tell me, oh, demons aren't real. And it's almost like saying, I don't have any bugs in my backyard. And it's like, okay, you do, but you need to get down on your knees, start separating the blades of grass. You need to start turning over the stones because when you turn that rock over, you're gonna see a whole bunch of creepy crawlies. And so whether it's Christians, whether it's non-Christians, people all around the world have told me for decades, because I've been doing deliverance since the late 90s, they've been saying, oh, we don't have demons. And my response all the time is, well, let's check. Because what I've learned about humans is we like to deodorize things, right? We get out of the shower, we put deodorant on, but that's not how your body really smells, but we, we want people to think that that's how we smell. And so a lot of people, they want to believe, I don't have a problem with demons. Demons are maybe around me, but definitely not in me because as humans, we're prideful and we don't want to accept the reality that we may in fact need deliverance. Deliverance is for the desperate. When Jesus came preaching the kingdom, there were Pharisees and Sadducees, which were the most highly educated scholars in, in his time concerning the scriptures. And those people said, this guy's crazy. We don't need this. But it was desperate people that finally can't hide the symptoms anymore. We can't stop manifesting anymore. We need freedom. So for me, I was raised in South Chicago, an incredibly poor neighborhood, and people were struggling. And at my local church, we had an influx of people come from Puerto Rico who had all been heavily involved in occult practices. And as we started to pray for them, they started manifesting demons. And we had no idea what to do about this. We had obviously read about it in scripture, but we didn't understand what was happening. So that led us all on a journey in our local church to say, we want to help these people. We believe that Christ is the answer, but we don't know how to cast out demons. And so as a teenager, that's the journey that I went on. And that's how I started the, this ministry of deliverance, which I would consider a ministry of the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. Because wherever people are accepting Christ, you're going to hear the screams of demons being tormented. When you look at every story of a person who is being healed by Jesus, 
or by, by Paul, anybody who's doing exorcism or deliverance in scripture, we are never told how those people came to be afflicted. We meet them in their affliction and then we see the healing. One of the big discussions and debates and one of the areas of disagreement with deliverance is whether or not Christians, people who have accepted the Holy Spirit, need to have deliverance. On one side, you have people who will say, look, when you've accepted Christ and you've had a real encounter like what Jen described, that is enough. Others would say, well, wait a minute, there may be some some sin, there may be some oppression, which is a term you used before, Jen, right, that is still going on in, in that person's life. Mike, I'll start with you here because this is really the centerpiece of the debate and the discussion, right? Do Christians need deliverance? And if so, why? Well, I'll start by saying this. Standing in a garage does not make you a car, just like standing in a church doesn't make you a Christian. By what standard are you a Christian? When I first moved to New York, everybody I encountered was calling themselves a Christian. There's many people listening right now. How you're actually a Christian? Is it because you attended church? Is it because you come from a family that generationally called themselves Christians? When you look at the, the gospel accounts, this is the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus calls people to 100% submission. In other words, he's saying, you have to give me your entire life. And he says very extreme things that most American pastors will not say from the stage. For example, he says, if you can't stop sinning with your hand, cut it off so the rest of your body will go to heaven. And he's not being literal, so please don't hear me that way. But what Jesus is saying is, this is how serious we need to take sin. And so most pastors don't preach that way in America. And what that's created is a culture of confession, but not a culture of repentance, which means we've become very honest sinners in America. So at every local church, oh, you got me. I, I'm a sinner. I confess I'm a sinner. But the gospel is not admit you're a sinner. It's completely submit and surrender to Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself told one woman, go and sin no more. So the question about whether a Christian can have a demon, a Christian can have cancer. And we, we, I don't personally believe that it is God's will for a Christian to have cancer. To be honest with you, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. And he walked all throughout the region of the Galilee, healing people of their physical afflictions. But because I believe we are a triune being, meaning that we have a physical body and there is no eternal plan for this body. It actually has to, the Bible says we'll receive glorified bodies like Christ did upon his resurrection, but we will all experience a physical death, which means even as a Christian, I can have cancer and all kinds of sickness and disease because I'm going to die of something. And then we have a soul, which is our mind and our emotions. And the Bible actually says, renew your mind, which means that when we accept Christ as our Savior, our mind does not automatically get transformed into a perfected state. We actually, and the command is given to us, renew our mind. So that's something I have to do. And, and then lastly, we have a spirit. So my belief, which, which is well within orthodoxy, is that our spirit is regenerated and brought to life when we accept Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of my spirit. But I have a command to renew my mind and to crucify my flesh. Now, having said all of that, when we see Jesus casting out demons, 
there is a biblical account in scripture where he, where he actually heals somebody by casting out the spirit of infirmity. And so in that particular instance, infirmity was not a physical biological issue in its root. It was actually a spiritual one. And so people who do deliverance ministry would say that that demon was influencing their physical body and needed to be cast out of their body. In the same way, that's not contradictory to the Holy Spirit dwelling in your spirit and cancer dwelling in your flesh or a demon dwelling in your flesh. A deliverance minister would say those can coexist. And the last logical argument that I'll, for the sake of time, present here is that if, if salvation removed demons from your body and your 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 mind then Jesus would not have cast demons out he would actually brought people to a place of confession and repentance to become Christians and so the reason why you see Jesus casting demons out is because that is separate and different than the mode of salvation and so just logically if a Christian can't have a demon then he would have just said let's do Romans chapter 10 verse 9 which is confess with your mouth believe in your heart that Christ is the Messiah and you will be saved. He would have just brought people to a place of repentance and confession. He wouldn't have also cast demons out. And so these are the most common arguments that you'll hear from people like myself who cast demons out of people all around the world who call themselves Christians. And some of them, I don't think that they are Christians. They just think they are. And yet others, I truly believe that they have been regenerated in their spirit, but they need freedom in their body and in their mind. And so, Jen, I'm going to go to you on this in a second, but but I think another term that the secular world knows very well is possessed, right? Because Hollywood shows all these possession movies, and possession, that's actually, a lot of the accounts we see in scripture, people are fully possessed. They've been entirely taken over by evil. It's not an oppression situation, which is where evil is pressing in on you or afflicting you, or in some way, as you just described, Mike, if you subscribe to that worldview, that that it's inside of you in some way, it is totally taking you over. And those are different things. And it's almost a whole other show to get into all of the idiosyncrasies around that. But Jen, Respond to what you just heard, because I know this is, this is again, the, the biggest area of, of disagreement, I think. Well, one thing we agree on, I will say, is that many people do call themselves Christians and are not. It's easy to do that. It's easy to, and I agree as also a Long Islander, I've seen what Mike has seen. So you, you're not a Christian just because you say that you are. I don't agree that a Christian is when, you, when you're talking about like these different layers and how it's separate, I actually have a couple of notes here and I would go to Deuteronomy, let me just find my, that we're one, that we're one temple for God. And I just had it. And of course I can't find it. So forgive me. Here it is. Deuteronomy six and four, where one body and God's holiness is sufficient. I do not agree that a, a real Christian, and what I mean by a real Christian is, and I think Mike and I would agree what a real Christian is, right? One who serves the Lord, who's been truly set free, who is who has picked up their cross and is following Jesus Christ and his teaching, that a Christian can be possessed. So that's going back to your definition, Billy. So that's a full, a full taking over, a demon fully taking over somebody. So then oppression is not inside that it would need to be cast out of. In my in, in, that's my stand on that. The oppression. So for instance, when I was set free, about three years into my walk, a woman said to me, she was in a Pentecostal church and she said to me, but have you been delivered? I said, what do you mean? Yeah, I've been delivered. I've been set free. 
Jesus Christ, it was a great day. And she goes, no, but have you been delivered, delivered? I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean? I, it was never even something that went on the radar. I agree that we are in the spiritual battle that I think you did a beautiful analogy there, Mike, with that we're on the battlefield. And that's why I always say people shouldn't be spiritually ignorant. This is going on around you, whether you choose it or not. But I believe that the Bible has shown us practical ways to deal with spiritual oppression, demonic oppression. So, I mean, I can tell you many times of oppression going on in my life. Not once did I have to go to a deliverance ministry. I get right into the word of God, putting on the armor, but do, I mean, not just, okay, I'm going to put on a shield and do this. No, really digging in there and saying, okay, Jesus, you are my shield of faith. You protect me from the fiery darts. Praying, prayer is so powerful. And one big important thing is resist the devil and he will flee. I've had times where unfortunately some of my demonic attacks are the devil using that the ways that he used to try to get to me and I'll feel a presence or hear a presence and I know it's a demonic entity coming up around me and I'll I'll ask Jesus to remove any unclean entity from me or whatever and then I ignore I'm I I turn the other way. Um I resist the devil and he flees. He he truly does. So we we have we have a couple of minutes before we go to break here. And so, Mike, I mean, this is again, this is the area where the most disagreement comes. I think it's a fascinating conversation. When you hear that, how do you respond? Okay, so I also agree that that a Christian cannot be demon possessed. I, I am possessed by the Holy Spirit. Christ owns me, but I own my house. But my house can be under the influence of rats. And so I can have rats in my house influencing my house, but I own my house. And I want to give just a few quick verses to show in the New Testament where we do have language that indicates that the devil or demons were inside. And and I just want to say this because when you look at the old covenant temple that she referenced, you have the Holy of Holies and only the priests were allowed to go there. They tied a rope around their waist because if they entered into that particular section with sin, they would die instantly in the holy presence of God and have to be pulled out. But then you have the outer courts. If our being is triune, that would be the outer courts would be our physical body. The inner courts would be our mind or our soul. The Bible says that even your eyes are a window into your soul. And then our holy of holies where the Holy Spirit dwells would be that inner, inner section. And so I do not believe a Christian can be demon possessed, but I do believe that demons can inhabit a Christian's body in which would be likened to the outer courts of even common animals being there or their mind, which you had people who were not priests that were in that area as well. But if you look at Acts chapter five, verse three, it says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? So he, Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. Then in John chapter 13, verse 27, it says, after the exchange between Christ and Judas, it says Satan then entered into him. So it didn't say Satan was around Judas. It said that he entered into him. The original Greek means to forcibly enter as kicking a door off the hinges. And therefore, Jesus then responds to him, do what you do quickly. Do I believe oppression is real? Yeah, it's mentioned twice in the New Testament. But possession is mentioned 13 times. And so I think we do a disservice to people when we create a mindset of the, the devil's only around us. 
I have to confront these lies all the time. Now, I think the experiences I've had is I remember one time praying for a woman who was sick and she had been prayed for many, many times. And just like Jesus, sometimes he dealt with it on a biological issue, be healed. Other times he cast, like the one I mentioned previously, he cast out the spirit of infirmity. Then that produced a healing. And I was praying for a woman and she sort of like kind of slumped over like it was over. And immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that this demon is still in her and she needs deliverance. And I just looked at this woman and I said, devil, I know you're there and you're not lying to me. And immediately she threw her head back and started laughing. This demon was laughing. (laughs) I mean, it, it scared everybody because I exposed what was hidden and cast that demon out. And then that woman was miraculously healed. And actually I, I gave her the advice to go to her doctor, get a, and get a medical verification of the healing, work with a medical professional to verify what supernaturally happened. And of course she came back with that information months later to confirm that she was in fact healed. And so for me, these things are not mutually exclusive. Just like I believe a Christian can have cancer. I believe a Christian can have the influence of a demon. That word possessed means to be under the influence, to be under the control. Many deliverance ministers nowadays would say, we don't believe a Christian can be demon possessed, but we do believe a Christian can be under the influence of a demon, even within their body and their mind. And it needs to be cast out, not off. All right. Well, we have to pause for a moment, but you are listening here to Premier Unbelievable. I'm Billy Hollowell. My guests are ex-psychic Jen Niza and deliverance minister Mike Signorelli, lead pastor and founder of V1 Church in New York City. We will be right back. Before we rejoin the rest of today's podcast, I've got a very special offer for you to help you have an even more meaningful spiritual experience this Easter. As you know, N.T. Wright is without doubt one of the greatest Christian thinkers and apologists of our time. And some of Tom's answers to questions about Jesus' death, resurrection and return are some of the most poignant and thought-provoking. That's why we've created a brand new downloadable devotional resource that's perfect for the Easter season featuring these questions and Tom's answers. This five-day devotional journey titled Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return is only available to friends like you as our thanks for your gift today. And remember, your support is truly critical to help keep resources and podcasts like Ask Anti Write Anything and Unbelievable going strong because this ministry is completely funded by friends like you. So please give the very best gift you can today and make sure to download your copy of Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return devotional at premierinsight.org forward slash unbelievable show. That's premierinsight.org forward slash unbelievable show. Thank you. So we're back with Premier Unbelievable, the show that gets you thinking. I'm Billy Hollowell, author and broadcaster and your host today. And I want to actually shift gears into culture right now because pop culture has been capitalizing on the obsession with the occult, the obsession with evil. We're seeing all sorts of storylines pop up. There's a new Disney Plus show that is purportedly coming down the pipeline. It's called Pauline, and it follows the story of an 18-year-old who essentially falls in love 
with Satan. And so we're seeing more and more of these shows, these movies, these concepts popping up. And we want to talk about what is going on here. How do we address this? Should we really be elevating evil in this way? Are we in danger of sort of tricking people into some perilous places? And so we're going to get into all of that. But Jen, Niza, I want to come to you on this first, because you referenced earlier the shield of faith, putting on the armor of God. Some people may be unfamiliar with what that actually means. Can you tell us what is going on in Ephesians 6 when it comes to spiritual warfare? Sure. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. In fact, that we are dealing with or wrestling against the principalities, the cosmic powers, the darkness in the heavenly places. This is a rank of demons. The Bible is crystal clear saying that this battle is going on around you, this invisible battle that you can't see. So it's it's extra easy to be deceived by satan of course and but it's going but it's going on so then what do we do in the spiritual battle we put on the armor of god that's paul is giving us the analogy to what the roman soldiers wore at the times and how it protected them and it's really a, an amazing passage and i really encourage people to do a deep dive don't don't skip anything go into each part and do a good study on it and and have that faith and reading the word, this is these are the spiritual weapons that we have in the spiritual battle. But but it is going on, and I'm actually curious to hear what Mike would have to say about this because though we know that the devil is hiding in places and he likes to make you think that he's not real, he's just a fairy tale, or like these shows that you mentioned, Billy, like oh look, it's just nonsense, and we're laughing at it. But in other ways, he's actually becoming so blatant, maybe because he sees that going on right in the culture. What we're seeing is so demonic. It's so bold right in our face. Yeah. Well, I love that you brought that up because, you know, we're talking about the fact that Satan hides and tricks people, right, according to what we see in Scripture. And yet we're also now watching this resurgence, this bizarre sort of Satan is everywhere in this cartoonification almost of the devil. Mike, why do you think that is? You know what? I've asked a lot of people about this. And I think one of the things we have to do as Christians is become bridge builders. We build the bridge of relationships strong enough to bear the weight of truth. So I want to be friends with psychics. I want to be friends with Satanists. I want to be friends with occultists. And Jesus was actually referred to as friend of sinners. So I don't sin with sinners, you know, because that makes you a sinner. But when you're friends of sinners, it, it builds a bridge to communicate truth. So I've actually had many dialogues with Satanists and people in popular culture right now who are perpetuating these ideas. And what they're actually telling me is that it's not pro-Satan, it's anti-Christ. They're against Jesus. They're against fundamental Christianity. They're against Republican Christianity. They're against conservative Christianity. And so a lot of what we're seeing in the earth really is the intention behind it. And this is what they're telling me out of their own mouths. I'm, I'm going to protect their identities for the sake of this broadcast. But they're telling me that they are doing this to, specifically to outrage Christians. That is the point. And so when you look at what's happening at retailers in America and the designers and the people that they're selecting to make these items that are, are causing the outrage among Christians, that's the point. And what we're seeing is actually people who identify as atheists or agnostic are, are perpetuating a lot of the stuff that's enraging Christians. Now, 
there also are people that are operating in the spiritual realm. The impulse buy at the local grocery store in New York City now is a tarot card deck. Like it's gotten way out of hand. Obviously, you won't see a King James Bible or even a Gideon Bible on sale at your local retailer, but you will find crystals, you will find sage, you will find tarot cards. Money talks, right? And, and so because it's popular, retailers say, well, we're sort of neutral. We don't have a spiritual agenda. We have an economic one. But again, I think the, the root of it, I'm not blaming the world. I'm actually blaming the church because what happened was when you read the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church after the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven, you see the church moving in authentic power. People are still getting healed of diseases. People are still having demons cast out of them. And then when the local church tries to convince people to serve this supernatural God that parts the Red Sea, and yet he doesn't do anything miraculous nowadays, essentially what we've given people is a coloring book Christianity, and we've drawn moral lessons from it. And people say, but I guess it's all a lie. Jesus Christ is probably the same as Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and every other mythical unicorn creation. And I'm on a mission to show people that where the gospel of Jesus Christ is being presented, you will also see ministers and people moving in power. And it's very common at my church for people to have medically verifiable miracles as we pray for them. Satanism, I want to just go back to that because there's a lot to unpack there. You know, people don't realize Satanism comes in a number of forms. There's atheistic Satanism, and then there's atheistic Satanism. But the one that we see in the headlines most often, the Satanic Temple and some of these other groups, that is an atheistic Satanism. They claim that they are atheists, that they do not believe in a higher power, and yet they revere Lucifer as a literary figure, how they would refer to Lucifer. And it's important to understand that. We can have a broader theological conversation about what's actually going on there with Satan in real practice, but those people do not believe that he exists even. And so that's interesting. But but one of the other things coming off of that, because there's so many cultural trends, Jen, is that, and you know this all too well, there are surveys showing that more than 40% of American, so I only have the American data in front of me, young people between the ages of 13 and 25 are using crystals, they're using tarot cards monthly. So that means that nearly half of young people in America today are taking part in these occultic practices in some way. When you hear those numbers, Jen, as a former psychic medium in the occult, what goes through your mind and your heart? I'm heartbroken. I'm absolutely heartbroken by it because it is the ultimate deception and seeing children start. It's like the devil is you know, creating his little army, influencing these young people who are going through such tumultuous times in their life, you know, between hormone issues, bullying, what's going on in the world and everything, of course, that they're seeing on in, in the culture. And social media is used by the devil. He's current and active. And social media is such a problem for the youth because like Mike had mentioned in the stores, the tarot cards are everywhere, but on social media at the click of a button, you can have a reading. You could be having a problem at school that day. Now you're home on your computer because that's what kids do today, right? Kids are on the computer or they're on their phones or whatever. They're not outside playing anymore, that's for sure. And they can go on there and say, and these people are making these promises. I can help you. I can heal you, the psychics and the tarot card readers and the mediums. And they can just click on that and then they end up down the rabbit hole like I did. So it's heartbreaking to me completely. 
Mike, what do you think is driving that? We're watching this happen in real time, and it's not just anecdotal. I mean, the surveys are showing it, the numbers are showing it. The other day, I went into a, a well-known bookstore. I walk in, and in the entranceway, before I even got into the bookstore, one side was psychic reading books, the other side was witchcraft books. That is the first thing they want you to see in this store. What is driving this obsession? Well, do you know the the reason why the cannabis industry is exploding is because when people smoke it, they actually get high. I mean, the reality is the only reason why things perpetuate is they actually work. And so the bad news for Christians who don't operate in any form of spiritual power through the Holy Spirit is that the world is experiencing real legitimate power. It works. And just like Jen had shared several stories, Accurate information can come through demons. I would even say, going back to demons influencing your physical body, imagine you go to somebody for a Reiki healing session and the demon says, let's continue this charade. I'm going to stop inflicting their body to make them think that they were healed by this Reiki. And now they have more demons. And so the reality is it's, it's perpetuating because Gen Z and a lot of these people engaging these things online are having powerful, legitimate, authentic experiences. The problem is the devil is in the blessing business too. He'll give you wealth. He'll give you fame. He'll give you influence. He'll give you your dreams. The scriptures have an account where Jesus was taken to the mountaintop by the devil. And he said, I can give you all this. The Bible refers to Satan as the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of darkness here on this planet. He has a jurisdiction of ability. He has a certain realm of authority that he operates in. And, and so it's, it's even very common online to hear stories of celebrities. They quote unquote sold their soul to the devil. And you hear about that phenomenon. I'm friends with many former witches and warlocks and people that have done crazy things like astral projection. And what they say is on the short term, it was an exhilarating experience. But on the long term, those entities begin to turn on them and reveal who they really were. But only like a spider's web, when they got in so deep and were so entrapped in that spider's web, that then the spider came out of hiding. And so the, the occult, the new age, the demonic, it always draws you in. It, it's, it'll give you what you think that you want. And I think what it means to be a Christian is we say, God, I have these desires and then what God actually says is, let me change your desire, because if you get the thing that you think you want, it's going to destroy you. What the occult does, what witchcraft does, what the demonic does, it says, okay, I'll give you exactly what you want. And it's often not until you receive it that you realize this is, this is destroying me. And that's why people seek me and my teams out from all around the world, because what starts as a solution to a problem ends up creating a bigger problem. You know, it's it, which I, I think is an area that you would agree that if you start engaging in these things, you are inviting evil. It's like a magnet for evil towards yourself, right? I mean, that's something you would both agree with. Jen, you've experienced that, you know, firsthand. I want to ask you, Jen, because, and this is more of a cultural question, but it is interesting because these things are coalescing, right? The rise of Satanism, the rise of the use of these tools, they're coming together at a time when culture has been saying, particularly in the West, you know what? We're not interested in God. We're going to push God to the side, and it's happening very rapidly. We are telling people, hey, you know what? Worship the self. The self is what matters, right? We, we see this all the time. Follow your heart. That is sort of the mantra of the day. And so it's interesting to watch that when you turn into yourself, 
and you look to yourself, all of these different things, it's about harnessing power for yourself, right? That you can do it. I do think it's interesting watching that dynamic, Jen. Yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting watching that dynamic. It's, it's heartbreaking though, still to see that God is unwelcome in the world, unwelcome in culture. You see more demonic movies and shows rather than biblical ones. I was watching Little House on the Prairie the other day and I said, come on, why can't we have more of this going on from 1974? But the Bible was in the movie. The, you know, they were Christian. It was so cool and it was clean. But you're not, you're seeing more of the demonic. Of course, worshiping yourself is much more desirable because then guess what? Anything goes. You do not subscribe to any authority. Sin is great, sin is wonderful, but this is why you are in bondage to it. You are a slave to sin without Christ. You are addicted to it. It is your slave master. And hey, don't you want to just feel better? Do you know, do whatever you want. And to Mike's point earlier, you know, even when you you put pride in there, you put money in there, these are all the the greed, the envy. Look at that. Those are the characteristics of the devil. This is, he's behind all of that, right? So though they're making a lot of money, witchcraft and sexual sin all goes together and we're seeing it all. We're seeing the musicians, we're seeing these concerts and they're doing satanic rituals. They're worshiping the Baphomet. I mean, things are going berserk really. And, and it's a shame to see it. But I do have faith that as much as the devil is doing what he's doing, God is raising up great Christians. He's saving a lot of us out of the new age. Sorry to veer off a little bit, but no, no. I mean, I, you're not veering off because it's all it's all connected. And you know, Mike, I, I wanna I wanna throw it to you and Jen. Feel free to answer this after. But you know, a lot of people may be listening or watching right now, and they're like, "This is crazy, witchcraft, Satanism. None of this is real." And we and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but I think it is important. You know, these people are in front of us right now, watching and listening to this, who dismiss all of this, or maybe there's a little bit of curiosity to it after hearing your story, especially Jen, but. Mike, what do you say to those who are just like, nope, none of it is real. This is a joke. I can't believe these guys are even talking about this. Well, the reason why you've watched this long is because deep down inside, you do believe it's real. And there's layers and layers, years and years of teaching, whether it's in your school system or even in your own home, that are blocking and preventing you from yielding to the desire and the feeling you have deep down inside. You know, here's the thing for eons, humanity has believed in the spiritual realm. All cultures, I travel all over the world ministering to people on almost every continent of, of the planet Earth, and they believe in the demonic. They believe in evil spirits. They believe in the spiritual realm. It's really just the last hundred years or so in our westernized, you know, postmodern worldview that we've stopped really believing in the spiritual realm. But I think that one of the most innate, natural, normal beliefs that we have is in the spiritual realm, you know? And I think it was Picasso who said, everybody's born an artist. The trick is to remain one. I think everybody's born believing in the spiritual realm. The, the question is, can you maintain that belief in a world that tells you that it doesn't exist? And so people, and, and again, they're finding it in the alternative ways outside of Jesus Christ, which I do not recommend. But what we're seeing right now is people are revolting against this quote unquote modern wisdom, and they're returning to the wisdom of the ancients. And they're saying, yes, there is something else. There is something more. And I just want to awaken that desire inside of people. You know, the Bible says, if you, if you seek, you will find. 
If you knock, the door will be open to you. And there's a lot of people seeking right now. You know, in the 1970s, there was a movement in America called the Jesus Movement. And it was actually birthed out of the post-hippie movement. In other words, people tried free love, psychedelic drugs. And then what they realized is free love's not free. We all have sexually transmitted diseases, unwanted pregnancies. And we thought that exploring our sexuality was actually going to help us find meaning in life, but it actually destroyed us to some degree. Then they did psychedelics and all kinds of drugs. And what they found was they became drug addicts. And so it was actually at the height of, of all of that experience that they said, what if it's Jesus? What if, what if, but not the Jesus of religion and tradition of men, not the Jesus of conservative Christianity. What if it's this, what if it's this first century Jew who is born of a virgin named Mary? And what if he's the answer? And that's when you had the Jesus movement or the Jesus revolution here. And I will tell you, one of the things that excites me is, is right now people are on a journey and they're doing drugs and they're exploring sexual identities all around the world. And we have the conditions for them to get to the end of themselves and say, wait a second, none of that was it. But I do know the spiritual realm is real. I just don't want to be a part of what I just experimented with for the last however many years. I, I do know that I'm a sexual creature, but everything I just did destroyed my life. So how do I righteously fulfill this? What's the answer? And I believe it's going to lead many millions of people to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I believe we're seeing revival sprout up, whether it's Asbury College or you know Huntington Beach in California, right here in New York City, we've been seeing it happen over and over again. And it's going to continue because all of this hunger is leading people to Jesus. I mean, 4,100 people were baptized a couple weeks back in Pirate's Cove, which is the actual, the Jesus revolution that you were referencing. That is the place where everybody was baptized back then. And it was the biggest baptism, as far as we know, mass baptism in American history that just happened right in America. And so you are seeing these things. And one thing I'll throw to you, Jen, is that, you know, it's heartbreaking what we're seeing. So it's not a good thing. And I want people to understand that when it comes to you know, people getting engaged with these tools. But at the same time, it does seem to expose that there is a belief, right? That people do know there's something more. They're trying to tap into it and it's misguided. But reflect on that a little bit because I, I think that there could be an opportunity there then maybe for people who are Christians to step in. Yeah, I think it always comes back to the same two choices that have always been there, God or the devil. Where are you going to go for your peace, for your answers, for your joy, right? For your for your comfort and where are you going for truth? But you're deceived if you're going to the one who masquerades as an angel of light, which is Satan. So you do know that there's a spiritual realm if you're touching those tarot cards. Reflecting on my own life, I wouldn't have considered myself an atheist. I might've even called myself a Christian at the time. And I, I knew there was a spiritual realm going on because of what I was doing and, and what I was hearing. And it was just too, it's just real. It is so real. And you know, it's real. If you're, if you're picking up those things, you're just on the wrong team. Well, you know, Jen, as we're sort of rounding out to a close here, you have been very vocal sharing your story as an ex-psychic and a lot of people, they don't share their story. They go through what you went through. They make a change. They become Christians, let's say, they walk away and they're kind of silent on it, but you have made that choice to be very open and vocal. And you're doing it here on the show today. At the end of the day, when all is said and done, what are you hoping the impact of your story is? 
Well, I'm hoping that anybody who hears my story would be set free from the demonic and know that, as you've said a few times, that it's real. Also, that you're not crazy, that those really are demons that are giving you information. And as Mike said before, those things work, but they are from the devil. And you need to come to Christ to have real peace and to have eternal life. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. So I pray anybody hearing my story would know that it's a the real deal, but you can be set free from it through Christ Jesus. And you need to run away from it today. Let today be the day that you burn those things, walk away from it, and come into the light of Christ for truth. And Mike, for you, you know, you are out there doing your deliverance ministry. And I love that, by the way, that the, that the two of you could come together and talk about those agreements, those di- areas of disagreement in such a compelling way. For you, Mike, what is your hope for legacy in the work that you do in ministry? First, I want to say Jen is a powerful voice of the gospel. She's helping to reach so many people around the world, and she's a hero to so many people. So I want to honor you, Jen. You're doing such a good work. And I, I really believe that you're raising up a whole army of people who are saying, because she she said yes to Christ. I can say yes too, because she can open up her mouth and use her voice. I can use my voice too. And it's so needed. And for me, you know, it's like I come from very humble beginnings, single mom, social assistance here in the United States, like had no idea what I was doing. And when you read the scripture, God qualifies the unqualified. He calls those that other people would be like, how could you possibly get glory out of their life? But the Bible says he takes the foolish things of the world and and uses them to confound the wise. And so I believe there's many people watching this broadcast who do have a real intense desire for the supernatural. They they feel that they're called to more. They know that there's more than what they can taste, taste, touch, smell, hear, and experience through their physical body. And I believe that there are divine appointments on the calendar of our life where God Almighty says, you are supposed to see this. I can't tell you how many times I randomly turned on the television and got a word from God through programming. And this could very well be it for other people. And so I'm not a one man show. I'm going all around the world and I'm telling people, Jesus raised up disciples who raised up disciples who raised up disciples. And so if you'll say yes to Jesus, you can become a disciple. And the scriptures do say, and you will do greater works. And I believe that we're seeing people do incredible things through Christ. And so that excites me so much. That's the legacy that I hope to live live out with my life and calling others other people to what God destined them for. Well, I want to thank you both so much for coming on today. Really appreciated your time. Thank you, Billy. Thanks so much, Billy. Thanks, Mike. Also, thank you for what you said. It meant a lot. Absolutely. Well, that is literally all the time we have today on the show. I do hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jen Niza and Mike Signorelli. And I want to make sure you get in touch. This is a big topic, lots of different elements, and I'm sure you have comments and questions and things to say. You can email us at unbelievable at premier.org.uk. You can also get in touch via social media. We're at unbelievablefe on Twitter. We're also at facebook.com slash unbelievable. If you want to contact us via our Facebook page. And if you want access to all Premier Unbelievable podcasts and a wealth of excellent Christian content, head on over to our new platform, Premier.plus. You would call yourself an atheist? I would, yes. I would call myself a Christian humanist. One of the big themes over the history of what we now think of as science 
has been questioning the exceptionalism of humankind. I think the critical thing is what gives something value. Would you say that minds construct meaning or detect meaning? I have had made from a little piece of my arm something that could reasonably be called a second brain. I think one of the real challenges that evolution by natural selection puts to Christian belief is the idea that can science and religion tell us what it means to be human? The Big Conversation Episode 3 sees Christian author Nick Spencer and atheist science writer and broadcaster Philip Ball debate this fascinating question. Sign up now at thebigconversation.show and you can watch this episode a whole week early, from the 30th of June instead of waiting till the 7th of July, and you'll also get hours of exclusive bonus video and ebook content from across all five seasons of The Big Conversation. That's thebigconversation.show. Thank you for joining us on Unbelievable, the show that aims to get you thinking. We would love to hear your thoughts. Do get in touch. You can email us at unbelievable at premier.org.uk or leave a comment on our Twitter account at unbelievablefe or on the Premier Unbelievable Facebook page. And do check out our website, premierunbelievable.com. Registering there gives you access to all of our web content and our newsletter, through which you can gain access to hours of exclusive bonus content. That's premierunbelievable.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week. <laughs>